0: Hi there, I'm Jake Humphrey and this is High Performance, the podcast that reminds you that it's within. Your ambition, your purpose, your story, it's all there. We just help unlock it by turning the lived experiences of the planet's highest performers into your life lessons. And today, myself and Professor Damien Hughes are going to speak to two incredible performers. So we recorded this episode with Michael Ball and Alfie Bowe, but halfway through Michael had to leave and the conversation moved into such an interesting and fascinating and personal direction that we've actually decided to release this podcast as two separate episodes. If you haven't already listened to Michael's episode alongside Alfie, it's available now and I would recommend listening to that before you get to this one for a flavour of how these two very different characters have become such successful collaborators. But then this is what happened after Michael
1: left and we spoke to Alfie. Now, I've learned from mistakes. I've learned from my trauma and it was important for me personally. I hope that there are listeners out there that don't have to go through the personal trauma that I've had to go through or those mistakes that I've had, that I've made. But I'm sure that they will have you know the other ways of, of making mistakes or trauma that they've that they come across to make them develop in life and to make them become who they are. So I wouldn't change anything. I think it's it's
0: important to point out um, at this point that there are themes of suicide um, in today's episode of the High Performance Podcast and. I can't thank Alfie enough for sticking around and having a really deep conversation with us about the struggles that he's been undergoing recently you know I had no idea I thought I knew from reading the press and doing my prep for this interview what Alfie Bo has been through and the challenges that have been in front of him um, but to really hear him speaking the way he did was incredibly moving um so i can't thank michael and alfie enough for the honesty and the openness for joining us on the high performance podcast but you know alfie particularly for going to places that i think a lot of people um are still not prepared to go to but i really hope that by having this conversation it can be really helpful for those of you who might be struggling so let's get to it then alfie bow on the high performance podcast So Michael's gone. We're left with the talented one. <laughs> um, interestingly, he walks out, and you go, "Ah, oh, now you get the now you get the miserable bastard." Yeah. It, it's very interesting, you know, yeah. watching the two of you next to each other. Just how different your approach is, even to an interview like this, is you know.
1: Yeah, um, I, I, yeah. I suppose it, we well, we are two
0: different people. Does his optimism you know? and energy give you something that maybe you you know you don't
1: bring all the time? I, Probably say, I think we're positive in very different ways, yeah. you know I, I love the way he does it, but I know Michael a lot. I know him well, and he said that he's old school, and and a lot of it is sort of like upfront, and you know, and, and he shuts off a lot, and there's a lot about Michael that that, that um I, I I know that he's sometimes struggling inside, and that's where I can help him and and, and it's the vice versa, because I don't have that bubbly. Thing Mm. I do go into my own little world sometimes and I shut off and he recognizes that and he'll come and support me. So we have different ways of expressing what's going on for us, you know, or or how, or trying to hide our emotions. It's it's interesting what works for people though, isn't it? Because it, you know, it's clear
0: that the Michael Ball that we just had on our podcast was quite a lot of the Michael Ball we just saw was the Michael Ball, the performer. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, you're sitting next to him and I feel like you're totally like exposing yourself actually. And like, I don't think there's that, you don't seem to have that facade. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. I don't think I can hide. um, Yeah. I'm I'm probably more, I don't want to say more honest with my emotions, but I express them probably more. I get, I, 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 say what I mean, I show how I feel, I put that a bit more out there, I suppose, than Michael would. What does that um, do for you? I think it just, in a way, gives me drive. I think knowing that somebody understands how I'm actually feeling, I'm not hiding anything. I'm not sort of beating about the bush. I'm, tr- I'm just saying, this is how I feel. It's bothering me. I don't want to be bothered by it. I want to get over it. I want to deal, deal with it and move on. I don't like brushing things under the carpet. I have to sort of put them out on the table and, and speak about them. I'm not saying Michael doesn't do that, but I am I'm more properly open about it than he is.
3: I was interested when we were talking about the partnership in terms of you were one of nine children, yeah. and I've never met anyone that has been part of such a, mm. um, a big family like that. How much of learning to compromise, learning to express emotions... Did you learn as a child?
1: Well, I, I did come from a, uh, a very loving family. You know, yeah. my parents were beautiful to all of us, you know. Um, but when, Mike, when Michael was saying about his family, and he was like the, the, the youngest second of, of uh, the second child and wanting to vie for attention and, and be the knowledge for things. I When you're a young, the youngest of nine, by the time they get to nine, you're left to your own devices a lot. You know, you're sort of open the back door, go in the garden, come in when your tea's ready, you know, that sort of thing. So you do spend a lot of time on your own thinking and and on your own sort of like getting through your own day. Um, It's just a different upbringing. It's just a different format. Um, And so I suppose that stayed with me for most of my life is that I do spend a lot of time on my own now, you know, and I can be by myself and I, I I do think a lot. I do sort of go into my own little tunnel and my own little world and I do think a lot and that's when you need someone like Michael to come and drag you out and say, come on, let's get the energy up. But again, when I'm about to walk on stage or before I'm about to go on stage, Michael's getting buzzy and he's doing his routine. I'm trying to be as calm and as cool as possible about it. So that's, again, two different ways of handling it. And I, I think it all probably does come from childhood. I was sort of um, in a place as a kid where you sometimes don't have time to show your emotions yep. or to express them, you know, and, and so it's, it, that can be quite tricky later on in life, I suppose.
0: Let's talk about that then. I wonder whether you're kind enough to yourself, because I, I know that you were only in your 20s, right, when you lost your father. Yeah, yeah. And I think all of us love the idea of our parents seeing us mature, and become like the real us, you know, yeah. I think that the, how old are you? I'm 50 next year, I'm will be 49 now. Right, so all three of us are sitting having this conversation in our 40s. Hope, I think I speak for all of us when I say that none of us have ever been closer to being the real us, right? You go yeah. through the challenges in your 20s and 30s and then finally you realise, like, I'm just going to be me.
1: Mm.
0: I wonder whether you have any regrets that the young man that your dad saw is very
1: different to the... the the man in front of us today I say that all the time you know when I talk about my dad I say I I feel sad the fact that he didn't see me as a father he didn't see me as a as, as somebody's husband you know he, he, he never met my kids um, I never saw him with my kids and and that was always and it it's funny that I'm t- I focus on that rather than him seeing me on stage you know um, because what I do on stage like I said at the start of this is that that's my job so I just do my job and, I, and again, I love it, but that's what I was born to do. And, and, and But as a kid, as a teenager, the years that I did spend with my dad, I wish I'd been better. I wish I'd realized then that life is short and that if I'd known my dad was going to die at the age of 63, I probably would have had more patience and not been as cocky teenager that thinks he knows it all. You know, I'm still learning now, you know, and but back then you think you know everything about the world. And yeah, I would have loved him to have been in my life now so he can see, not so he can see anything. I just would have loved him to have been in my life. You know, I miss when him like th- crazy.
3: <laughs> so when do you think of your dad now then, Alf? What, what are the kind of messages or pearls of wisdom that he passed on to you at that young age that you pass on
1: to your children? He was always one for... Positivity, you know, like Michael said at the end of uh, his, his his little um, interview here, he was just saying that this this shall pass, this soon shall pass. My dad had a different way of saying it. He was used to just say like, "It'll all be all right, son," you know, "It'll all be all right," and 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 that was so. I've lived by that. You know, I've always said to everyone else that seems to be going down, get you know, going down a, a difficult path in life. I've always said to them, "It'll all be okay. We'll get through it. It'll all be all right." I go on stage, and the minute just before I walk on stage, I say to my dad, "Give us a hand, dad." And he used to say that when he was alive, and he'd used to say, yeah, no problem, son. I'll help you." And he'd used to get my drum kit down from the bedroom and put it in the back of his car and drive me to my band practice and. And bring me back, and 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 uh, if I was troubled at school or there was an issue at school or an issue wherever, he'd always say it'll be all right, son. Leave it with me. It'll be all right. And he said, so I go on stage and I say, "Give us hand, Dad," and and nine out of ten times, it's all right. <laughs> and look, thank you for sharing that, and uh, you know
0: the pain of missing him is absolutely clear. But I think sometimes it's a good reminder for people who listen to this and we have a lot of people that come to high performance because they have a trauma or they've lost someone or life is a struggle. It's that just because someone is no longer with us, it doesn't mean the value they gave us is no longer there. No, that's true.
1: That's very true. My dad, I think left everybody in the family with um, a real strong element of love within us. You know, um, my brothers and sisters uh deep down inside, have a lot of love for each other. And love for a lot of people, for everyone else in their lives. Um, I love my audience. I love my kids. I love my family. I love you know you guys for bringing me in today. It's it's great to be here. I'm, I'm I'm enjoying this. It's nice to be able to to be able to speak like this. You don't get that much opportunity in our business to to be able to open up. So a lot of love to, to you guys for doing this because you're helping so many people.
3: What about loving yourself?
1: That's hard. <laughs> that is hard. Um, I find that quite quite difficult because I think um, I have responsibilities and so I try and focus on my kids' lives and and giving them as much love as I possibly can Um, and and other people that come into my life. I like to embrace them and make them feel good. But, you know, a friend of mine is is a big fan of the um, RuPaul's Drag Race and he always ends his TV show by saying, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love someone else? And it's true. It's absolutely true. So that's why if I'm down or if I've had a rejection or something like that, I try and find some element of positivity to keep myself going, to keep myself on a high. Because I know personally, I can sink pretty low and I have done in the past. I've sunk as low as I'll ever be never going to go back there.
0: Would you mind just sharing with us the lessons from that, that period when I assume you're talking about when you separated from your wife and, yeah, yeah, and you you really struggled. Would you mind not necessarily telling us what happened if you don't want mm. to, but there may be a value in explaining to people a bit like Michael said, really everything will pass, how hard it got and the tools that you
1: used to emerge. It was a real surprising turn of events in my life. Something I wasn't, prepared for, something that I wasn't uh, expecting at all. And it shocked me to the core. It really seriously shook my world, shocked me like crazy. Every single day that I woke up, I was living in fear of what was going to happen, what was going to be written about me, what was going to be said by friends, what people were going to think of me, what accusations I would have got it was just everything piling on top and knocking me down to a point where i couldn't cope with that pain that um heartache that pressure that uh fear and i wanted to pretty much just switch off from it you know i wanted to just step away from it i wanted to turn it all off and just close my eyes and just not have anything people say you know that that's that's another way of saying you're trying to kill yourself. That wasn't my intention. That My intention was to just step out of my world, step out of myself so I could breathe, so I could try and just find that thing that just got me back into the world and into reality and into that space of living again. Um, and I could deal with it and I could handle it and I could move on and... And yeah, I did something pretty silly, you know, you know, I don't want to use that word silly, but I did something that was pretty drastic, a big measure. And, and, and I remember being in the hospital.
3: What was it you did specifically off? Um,
1: I, I, um, took some, uh, pills to try and sleep and to try and, okay. uh, numb myself out. And it was a few too many. And, um. And you know, I'm not proud of it, but it was—it was, it was all—it was my desperation at the time to uh, to try and recover in in a very strange manner, in a very strange way. Um, and uh, I remember being in hospital and having the trauma nurse approach me, and she did not pull any punches. She was stern angry, no affection, no sympathy. And she said to me, and this shook me to my core, she said to me, if you'd succeeded in doing what you intended to do, you would have basically been signing the death certificate for one of your children. Because statistically, that's what happens. Anybody that commits suicide, statistically, one of their children will do exactly the same. So that was like being hit with a creeper in the face. It was like, oh my God, what the hell have I done? You know, and tears and pain and suffering and shame, guilt, anger, all just started flooding like uh, an electric cable. Just all this like power just went through me of negative energy that then resulted into positivity and into drive and into more of a forward looking I've got to protect my kids, I've got to give them the best life that I possibly can, I've got to do this I've got to do that, I've got to move forward and and get out of this shadow that I've been living in and you know I thank that nurse for telling me that and so I used to just find anything like I do now I find anything to keep me on that path and it can be the simplest things like cooking a meal or whatever but you know, I went to the Alps and I threw myself in a frozen lake and swam under ice and jumped off a bridge and did anything to just see the potential of what life could be. And I've been lucky. I'm lucky that, that I've had people in my life that have... I went to rehab after that. I went to rehab um, after after coming out of hospital. There was one guy in there and he he lived for rehab. That was his life. He used to just go to rehab, get clean, come out, Relapse and then um, go back in, and he said to me, uh, "I turned up at rehab, and I was like every group therapy session, um, I was in tears. You know, you know, you're, you're taking your painkillers, you're taking your drugs to sort of numb you out a little bit, and and I'm, I'm in tears, and I'm and I'm thinking, my life was this, and my life was that, and now it's here. I'm in a centre for rehab, and it, and it wasn't a posh one; it was a pretty gritty one." Um, and he said to me, why are you crying? And I said, well, what what, what do you expect? Yeah, my, my wife's left me, I'm, I'm I'm, out of the home, I'm in rehab, I've just done this, I've just done that. Why do you think I'm crying? He said, well, there's only one way forward. He said, you can't stop feeling sorry for yourself because nobody's going to feel sorry for you in here. He said, this is about rehabilitation, this is about building back up. He said, stop crying. And he was right. And unfortunately... When he left, he relapsed and passed away. A lot of people did when they come out of rehab, and so I'm, I'm, I'm in a place where I feel lucky that it worked for me the way it did. But, you know, um, that was – it's wow, I didn't know I'd talk about this, but it's quite, it's quite um, a time looking back. You know, when you're in a facility like that and you open the page and, of a newspaper and you see the fact that you've been given an OBE – And you're in rehab, or you open the other page and you see your your ex-wife in Ascot with the celebrating and things, and you think, wow. And I'm in here. (laughs) It's just it's it's how interesting life can be, you know, Um, and how everybody's lives are individual and how the journeys are very different, and how we all just dip into each other's worlds. So yeah, that time period for me was was life changing. It really was. And I feel like the fact that I have opened up about it um, in the past and spoken about it all, that that I can deal with it. Like putting your issues out on the table, I can put them out there and I can deal with them. Keeping them in, it doesn't work for me. Small details are big
2: surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat,
4: post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
3: Thank you for sharing that. That's really humbling and appreciate the vulnerability of it. For people listening to this that maybe are going through something similar, what are the kind of red flags that you could highlight that Without, before it gets to a situation where you considered the action you did, what advice would you offer to anyone listening?
1: Um, I think what I uh, stopped doing was recognising recognizing, um, recognizing uh, problems, feeling like I could deal with them, feeling like I could move through them without having to upset anybody, being that kid in the back garden where you're just with on your own and you and you you're on you're, you're in your own thoughts you've got to address everything you've got to talk about it you've got to open up that's why i'm I'm amazed about this podcast that you guys have set up is that we get a chance to do this you get a chance to talk about stuff and 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 open up and 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 hopefully help you know your listeners and things and and I'm hoping what I say will Help someone else get through their problems. But the red flags are important to acknowledge. Um, know yourself, know who you are as a person, um, and know how you handle a problem. And if it's handling it where you don't want to talk about it, then that's not a good thing for me, you know, where you're just ignoring your issues. It's so, much, so, so important. And there's so many people out there that you can talk to, so many good listeners. Even being friends with somebody that's going through a problem, just listening to their issue is, is the best thing. Being a good listener is, 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 is learning how to listen is, is, um, is, is the first and foremost thing because when you're listening to someone else and you can recognize your own issues, you become your best listener. And when you can recognize your own problem, then you can deal with it as long as you talk about it. Don't believe your own story because we all create a world for ourselves that's probably not true. Um, Really acknowledge the truth. Acknowledge if you do have problems that you need to address, that's, that's important, knowing who you are. And that, I would say, is a form of loving yourself, is knowing who you are. I think there's so much good stuff there for Excellent. our listeners to learn from. You know, I think
0: one of the big things for me is that you know, you're talking about creating a story in your head that everything was a disaster, right? But you were still this brilliantly loved, extremely talented performer who was, you know, a loving son, a great brother, a brilliant father. But there's a reminder then, isn't there, that all of the sort of trappings of success suddenly count for nothing Mm. when you have issues in your personal life. And I think there's a really strong reminder for our listeners that chasing outside love and outside success until you can really have that inner peace and inner freedom, you know, it's always going to be a challenge for people.
1: It is. It is. I think you've, you've really got to um, fix yourself Mm. first and foremost, you know, really like, again, that love yourself. You've got to make sure that you are in a strong position to be supportive and loving for someone else's life, yeah. whether it's your kids or whether it's your friends or whatever. No, it's true.
0: And accept that you're on a journey. Exactly. Know? Understand, as Michael said, the lows yeah. pass. I, I think it's a, everything shall pass is brilliant because if there are people listening to this now that are feeling great right, and thinking, yeah. I'm glad I'm not where Alfie was, yeah. well, everything passes, so you may well be there at some point, so yeah. you need to equip yourself now. And I those would-
1: that are in there, it passes and you can come out. And do you know what i, I wouldn't change anything looking mm. back at it i wouldn't change a thing now if I could say oh I'd, i don't have to go through that again I, you know I, you can you can wipe that away that's not going to ever exist i 'd say no because that's made me who I am today you know i've learned from mistakes i've learned from my trauma, and it was important for me personally i hope that there are listeners out there that don't have to go through the personal trauma that i've had to go through or those mistakes that i've had that i've made but i'm sure that they will have you know the other ways of, of making mistakes or trauma that they've that they come across to make them develop in life and to make them become who they are so i wouldn't change anything and as we sit here now how happy are you I might not look it, but I'm thrilled. <laughs> I, I, I am. I'm, I'm really happy. I'm happy that I'm here. I'm happy that I can talk about this and not keep brushing under the carpet. I'm happy that I'm I'm not ashamed of it. I'm, I'm happy that I can maybe help someone else. Happy that I still have my children in my life and that I talk to them several times a day. And I'm giving them positivity to get through their lives because that's what life is about for me. It's it's about you know when I became a father, that was the meaning of life. It's about giving them the best opportunities and chances that they can possibly have in in uh, to achieve their goals. And then when they become parents, they do it onto their kids and that sort of thing. It's Brilliant. And you know that one day they'll be saying, "Help me out, Dad."
3: Exactly. And, and You'll and be there say, to do it.
1: It'll be all right. That's about the story,
0: yeah. Uh, time for our quick fire questions to round off oh my the goodness. interview. You, you get to do these all on your own. <laughs> oh, <because> no. <laughs> Michael deserted <laughs> us. I like these.
1: I actually have a puppy to go and look after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that only works for one guest.
1: <laughs> the three non-negotiable behaviours that you and the people around you need to buy into. Positivity, love, yeah, that connection with each other and, and um, respect. So I've done three already. <laughs> there you go. Um, one of the determination, I think, is is determined that, to get to really put every effort into what we're doing. If you could go back to one moment of your life, what would it be and why? Simple moment for me. It was in my back garden in Fleetwood, drinking a cup of tea, middle of the summer, building a shed with my dad. And that was it. That moment for me was really special. <laughs> Simple, because I had a connection with him. And it was the strongest connection that I can recall as a kid having, you know. And then I just, I was only a young kid, but I built from there, you know, with him. And the last 10 months of, of his life that I had with him, I felt every day we were building a shed, you know. It's, it was weird. That's lovely. What is your biggest weakness and what is your greatest strength? My biggest weakness is probably that I think too much. My biggest strength is probably that I think too much. <laughs> I think a lot, <laughs> you know. Yeah, think, I think I do go pretty deep sometimes and think a lot. Um, I suppose um, I, I suppose, my weakness, I'd probably say I worry. I, I do worry. But my strength is being able to pull myself out of that worry, you know, finding a way through it.
3: What is the thing that people get wrong or misunderstand about you most?
1: That I'm grumpy bastard. I'm not really <laughs> um, maybe maybe in a, in a similar in a in a sort of way that people sometimes see this guy up on stage that is so ex- exasperated with Michael being the bubbly guy and it's like oh here he is again that sort of thing I'm not like that I am obviously you know I'm approachable I love people I love having conversation I love meeting people listening to other people's stories I'm just a I, I don't know I just Quiet guy, really, I suppose. So I'm not I'm not always miserable. <laughs> Good. Um what quote or motto do you remind yourself of most or live by? Yeah, yeah, live for the moment, I think, is 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 the biggest thing that I try and do now. I try not to look too far ahead. And and it's important to live every moment like it's your last in a sense. And what would be your one final message for listeners to live a high performance life? I think To know that wherever you get in life as a performer, as an achiever, as a businessman or whatever, it's good enough. You've done your best. That's all you can do. As long as you've done your best, that's all you can do. And wherever you get in life then as as a high achiever, then that's good enough. Wonderful. You know what? Well, that's a brilliant way to end this conversation. And thank you so
0: much for sticking Exclusive. around after <laughs> Michael had left and finishing that off. And I think that's a really good point to end on, actually, because I think often, like, what are you in life is a question we get asked. You know, what do you do for a living? All that. What are you? If you can just say enough, that's all you need. It's a good place to get to.
1: Thank you, guys. Thank that you. It's been right. a privilege. Thanks. A man. lot of love to you. I really do. <laughs> I <appreciate laughs> thank that. you. Cheers. Thank you, man. Damien. Jake.
0: Well, what an interesting conversation. Very much um, a podcast of two halves.
3: I loved it. I thought there was a real energy that Michael brought to the conversation, first of all, and then the depth that Alfie went to in the second bit. It was, uh, yeah, like you say, a real contrast.
0: I really like the fact that they're two such different characters, yet they've managed to find common ground to perform together. Because I think more and more in a world where we're more connected than we've ever been, and there are more opinions out there than there's ever been before, We're living more in an echo chamber because we only follow the people we agree with. We only, you know, algorithms are designed to pump the things we already think into our brains. And I think what these two have got and developed is a really good reminder that actually cognitive diversity, coming at the world in different ways, approaching your problems from different angles can still lead you to a place of high performance.
3: Definitely. I read a book years ago, by uh, a book that we referenced in the chat with them by a guy called uh, Daniel Brown, and it's called The Boys in the Boat, and it's about the US uh, rowing team in the 1936 Olympics, and it's brilliant. But it's where I first read about this concept of swing in rowing, what we said have where when everybody's in harmony, the boat goes so much faster and more powerful, but it feels more effortless for those that are in it. And I think that was what I was intrigued about, two guys from very different backgrounds, maybe see the world from very different ways, how they can come together and create that swing where somehow as a unit they're more powerful than two individuals and I think listening to the way they said it of recognising each other's strengths, knowing they can disagree safely and securely and having each other's back and trust, I think they were three important elements that if anybody's listening to this as part of a team, start to think about how you do that. Are you playing to strengths do you have trust? And can you respectfully and safely disagree with each other?
0: It also is a reminder that we must be careful about telling people listening to this that there's one way to deal with your problems. Like I think that Alfie Bo coming on here and talking so openly and so honestly is incredible. And it will be of huge benefit to a lot of people listening to this podcast and absolutely applaud him and his bravery and his honesty for doing that. But at the same time, it's also okay that Michael sits here and says, listen, I don't need... To share that information in a public forum, I share it at home. I share it behind my front door. And Alfie said, "You know, he shares it with him." Alfie knows the depth that Michael goes to, but he didn't. He didn't want to share it with us, which I think also you have to respect. And I think we have to be careful of making people feel that just because they don't share, they're not dealing with things in the right way. I think having someone to share it with is great, but it doesn't always have to be shared with everyone. And what works for Alfie doesn't work for Michael, and what works for one listener won't work for another.
3: Yeah, I. Again, I can't echo that uh, more powerfully enough that there is no one of the things that I often say to people that listen to podcast this we don't advocate there's a right way or a wrong way we just ask is it helpful for you or is it unhelpful and that's for each individual to decide and if sharing your struggle publicly does that help you great do it if it doesn't as long as you're doing it somewhere that you do find it helpful like Michael's example do that and I think. That's a really good example of trying to park our own opinion or our judgment and just allow people to share what works for them.
0: Well, it was certainly an insight into the way they work together and into the way that they operate individually that I um, that I have never heard before. It was really a pleasure. It's brilliant. And I think the
3: fact is that they are doing something that people might look at and see it as intangible, like that magic that somehow has propelled them to such commercial success. But what they've done there is offered us an insight into how any of us could take it and apply it in whatever team we're working in. I enjoyed it. Thanks, mate. Loved it.
0: Thank you so much to Alfie for being so open, so honest um, and giving us so much during this conversation. Just a reminder, of course, that this was the part of the conversation where we only spoke with Alfie. You can actually hear him and Michael talking together In episode 166A, which was recorded as the first part of our interview. Once again, huge thanks to our guests for coming and joining us and sharing the truth with us on High Performance. Also, huge thanks to you for growing and sharing this podcast among your community. Please continue to spread the learnings you're taking from this series. You never know, you sharing this episode might just be a game changer for someone. So if I could ask you to do one thing today, that's all it is. Just share what you've heard. Thanks to the whole team for their hard work on this episode. But for you at home listening to this, remember there is no secret. It's all there for you. Chase world-class basics. Work hard. Don't get high on your own supply. Remain humble, curious and empathetic. And we'll see you soon. Bye for now.